for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. It's Carrie Lutz, and the date is Monday, November 16th, 2015. Tragic events happened Friday and over the weekend in France, and it really makes you wonder what's going on. I mean, I thought ISIS was contained, but I guess the difference uh, of opinion as to what the word contained means here to talk about what it really means and what you need to think about is John Rabino at dollarcollapse.com. John, how are you? Hey, Kerry. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, the, yeah. the Paris thing has so many interesting angles that uh, it, it's hard to know where to begin. But, yeah. Um, yeah, first of all, the, the political implications of this attack are, are potentially seismic because already in Europe, the uh, the parties who were anti-immigration and to an extent anti-euro and in a lot of cases anti-austerity were rising in the polls and looking more and more like potential winners in the next set of elections. Yeah. So this is just going to um, give these guys um, added impetus going forward. So you're seeing the National Front, for instance, in France, yeah. which is what used to be um, I think neo-Nazi is probably too strong a word, but they were way to the right. And uh, there were a lot of racist elements and, uh, and and they were accused of being neo-Nazis back in the day. But they've cleaned up their act, moderated to an extent, but they're still very much anti-immigrant now. And uh, Marine Le Pen, the leader of that party, is now arguably the most popular politician in France. And so they're going to be real contenders in the next election. So let a, a an anti-euro party get elected in the uh, the second biggest economy in the eurozone and you've got a currency crisis right there you know in, in addition to everything else that's else that's going on and already in portugal they're installing an anti-austerity um, to an extent anti-euro left-wing party in power there so th there was already a political earthquake beginning in europe and this is really going to accelerate the process so that's one thing and uh, another interesting part of this story is the uh, the parallel um, with today's Europe and um, the Roman Empire in um, 300 to 400 AD. You know, uh, back then, um, the, the Roman Empire was fairly stable. It had its issues, you know, including uh, an ongoing inflation, a little bit of a currency crisis, borders that were hard to maintain because the empire was so huge. Uh, but the uh, the rise of the Huns in the West caused about half a million immigrants to show up on the Roman Empire's borders. And they decided to let most of them in, hoping to use them as soldiers and, and um, low-level workers. But there were just too many of them to assimilate in that way. So they ended up being kind of occupying armies <laughs> and yeah. uh, rival political coalitions. And it threw the empire into chaos. 
made it vulnerable to external um, threats. And it wasn't long before Rome was sacked and the empire was divided into two pieces and, and the, uh, the eastern, the original part of the empire, was basically gone. And so Europe is looking at something like that right now, where it's got, what, a million Middle Eastern immigrants, more, refugees on its borders. On the way. And, yeah, and it's allowing a lot, if not all of them in, and it's suffering the same consequences already. You know, it's got um, um, so many people who disagree with the basic political and social constructs, the mores of um, traditional Europe, that, mm -hmm. um, and who aren't assimilating. And so it's got this huge problem. It's got a demographic problem. It's got a philosophical and political problem. It's only going to get worse as more and more people come in from the Middle East. And so it's not clear what the solution to that is either, because um, <clears throat> these people are being displaced in the Middle East in large part because of especially the U.S. foreign policy, but also, you know, Europe has contributed to the mess in the Middle East. And so it's kind of our fault <laughs> that, that what is happening is happening. You know, the rise of ISIS is, uh, you know, is d direct result of our stupid foreign policy over there. Mm -hmm. So you, you've got a mess with a lot of different causes, many of which come back to Western foreign policy and no real clear solutions. So I, you know, I, I would say that Europe already had a, a fatal flaw in terms of the way the Eurozone was constructed. It was already going to spin out of control, even with a perfectly placid geopolitical situation in the world. But now that um, geopolitics has become an even bigger problem than finance, um, it, it's really not clear how any of this gets fixed. It looks like it's it's something that's on the verge of blowing up for several different reasons coming to a head all at once. Yeah, not not a good thing for sure. And and the, like you said, no way out. And and then look at uh, the politics here, the political situation. Did that attack uh, make the likelihood of Donald Trump being elected much more likely? Because you can't really sell, separate the immigration issue from the terrorism issue. People have been warning about it for years and years. Now you have it in Europe. What's to stop it from happening here? We're importing tens of thousands of Syrians into the country for what? Yeah. Um, on, on the one hand, you can make the case that those are mostly the people who are running away from the kinds of terrorism that just happened in Paris. You know, they're, they're by and large, 99.95% of them are not the cause of stuff like this. But they all look alike and sound alike yeah. to our, our guys at the border. And so you can't tell an ISIS soldier from a legitimate mm -hmm. um, refugee. And so that presents a problem. And I don't know what the solution to the problem is because... Um, Whatever you choose in a situation like this, there are extreme downsides. There are big risks. There are moral quandaries. And so there's not a perfect solution that we can all just sit down and, and hammer out and, and put in place and have the world go back to being this, you know, the placid place that we remember it being <laughs> uh, in our yeah. younger years. And so, yeah, th there isn't a solution. And we're going to take a lot of Middle Eastern refugees, which, you know, you could make the case again that uh, since their problems are largely our fault, or at least partially our fault, that we should take some. But on the other hand, that's importing trouble at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so it does strengthen the, uh, the argument of the anti-immigration or at least anti-illegal immigration part of the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we already had a really difficult argument yeah. to make one way or the other over immigration. 
And this is just going to make it more complicated and much harder to uh, to come to some kind of an agreement. You know, the uh, it's easy to say, oh, well, this is the compromise we'll have to work out. You know, we'll have guest workers, we'll have amnesty for the people who are already here, and then we'll just do a reset. But that doesn't play with um, a significant minority, maybe even a majority of the voting public. So we're not going to do that. And uh, it's not clear what else you do otherwise, because we can't round up 15 million people and ship them back, some of whom are kids who are born here and who don't know anything else. You know, the, the moral issues there would be pretty outrageous. So I don't know. You know, I don't have a solution for our immigration well, issues in, in the U.S. and certainly not in Europe. You know, the, these guys kind of dug their own grave in Europe. And I, I think you could have seen it coming. Sure. You should have seen it coming. You know, there are, and a lot of people there did, but they were kind of shouted down as racists. But if you have a demographic problem, an aging population, and you try to solve that problem by importing young people from other parts of the world, you got to make sure you're taking them from a place where the um, the culture is compatible with your culture. Because if you take millions of people all at once, they're, they're not going to assimilate easily because there are enough of them that they can have their own neighborhoods where they don't have to assimilate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the U.S., we, we had massive immigration for most of our history, but we mostly brought in Europeans who were, even if an Italian or a German spoke a different language, um, they were still... European culturally in most ways. So they blended right in. Two generations, um, you get people like you and me, Carrie, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, who are basically Americans before we're anything else. Yeah. And uh, that, that's not the case in Europe right now. And so it, it you can make the case that it's really too late demographically for them to do anything about it because the people there are, um, are, are reproducing at rates that dwarf the reproduction rates of the locals, of the natives. And so if you stopped immigration cold in Europe right now, you would still get this massive demographic shift over the next 50 years until it isn't clear what elections would yield anymore there. But um, it w probably wouldn't be like the people that are being elected right now or that have been elected in the last 30 or 40 years. So, you know, you would never get a Margaret Thatcher in Europe. No. As it's evolving now demographically. Definitely not. Yeah, this is uh, it's very disconcerting. But I think uh, security, regardless of what happens, has to start with the border being secured. Then you can figure out what to do with the ones that are here. Hopefully, you can find the troublemakers and uh, get rid of them. But there's no seriousness on the part of the government, whether it's Congress or, or the president, to really secure the border. So until that happens, I think uh, we're ripe for the same type of situation that happened in Paris, and I hope not, but yeah, that it's you know that that's something that it's hard to believe everybody doesn't agree that the borders should be secure. You know, because if if a land mass doesn't secure its borders, then it's not really a country, right? That's, <laughs> you know, that's one of the definitions says. of a country is that's a, what a, a, been a place that controls its borders. So yeah, you're right. We should start there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what Trump's been saying. I think you know I don't want to bring politics into it because. We don't really talk about politics that much anyway, only in passing. But it's got to be a net positive for Trump and uh, also uh, a net negative against gun control because, you know, the people there were just sitting ducks. I'm not saying that they could have uh, could have stopped it. I don't know. You know, it's hard to second guess that type of thing. But point is that, um, you know, something uh, could have been done if more people were armed, perhaps, maybe not. Yeah, it's one of those things you can debate, but uh, hey, it's what's what's this going to come down to? Are we going to be fighting uh, militant Islam in the streets? I mean, you know, is that what it's going to come down to? Well, you know, um, that, that does make the case for gun ownership 
because in a place where there's concealed carry mm-hmm. and it's widespread, you, you can't get the kinds, or you shouldn't normally get the kinds of things where uh, um, some guys with automatic rifles can just methodically walk around and shoot people in a big room, right? Because yeah. uh, you, you get five or six people with um, automatic pistol or semi-automatic pistols. You know, if they're mm-hmm. carrying Glocks and that kind of thing starts, then you're going to have a firefight, which will end with the, the guys who started it being probably dead. You know, it'll still be a mess, but it will end more quickly. (laughs) And uh, and so you could make the case that in a lot of the different kinds of gun violence that we've seen, that armed victims would have solved things a lot more quickly and 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 you know in a lot less brutal way than than they ended up playing out. And so, to the extent that more of this stuff happens, it strengthens the case of. you know, not just gun ownership being allowed, but in, in some cases being encouraged or even mandatory or something like that. You know, there are going to be politicians who say, you know what, we think everybody should be required to own a gun. And that that would sound crazy in an election today, but five or 10 years from now might not sound so crazy, you know, and so it's going to really change the political landscape out there yeah. if this kind of stuff continues. And, and I think there's no doubt it's going to continue and these guys um you know we've seen these uh, guys go crazy on colleges and they appear to be islamic uh motivated and colleges in texas i know they've uh, they've allow concealed carry on campus now and that's all part of the trend here john anyway we've got to uh, run but find john's work over at dollarcollapse.com great article about uh, the fall of the roman empire and the analogies uh, the similarities that can be drawn now and while you're there take a look at financialsurvivalnetwork.com if i sound a little hoarse i think i might be getting a cold for the first time in years but i will fight it and i will still be on the air no matter what and uh, Hey, just go over to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. John, we will talk to you next week. Great. Thanks, Gary. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.